0: And we are back with another episode of Locked on Ravens and Locked on Browns. This season, get football on your time with NFL Game Pass. See all the action from every game with full replays. You can also replay an entire game and catch all the plays in just 45 minutes. With condensed games, go to NFL.com slash Game Pass to start your free trial today. NFL Game Pass, where football never stops. And I am here today with Jeff Lloyd of Locked on Browns. And Jeff, you know... It was hard to believe this day would come where we would start to do these crossovers again, the football season, or at least the Browns and the Ravens football season, just a few short days away. There was probably a doubt in your mind, because there was definitely a doubt in mine, that this day would come, but we're here. How are you doing today?
1: Um, it's great to be back, Kevin, and, and obviously, you know, we got to do a couple episodes last year, and, you know, for your Ravens, you know, you got to you know, cover you know what turned out to be a fantastic season for them. But, I mean, in, as we were just saying to each other before we actually hit the record button, it's for us, like we do this every day, guys. You know, I, you know, Kevin's there every day plugging out content for you. I'm here every day plugging out content, Brown content Browns wise. But this is kind of like, whoa, it's like we're here. Um, it, it's like this is like it's legit. We're about to, you know, basically, you know, jump on this highway. And, you know, for everybody who listens to both shows, thank you. I mean, there were times where it was dark and it was really hard to put together, you know, solid content for you guys day in, day out. But ultimately, this is what you're here for. You're here for in season. And, you know, obviously matchups between the AFC North, Browns, Ravens, we kick off week one. We're going to bust each other's chops a little bit, have a little fun. But it's where we want to be. It's, you know, for us being here, you know, day in, day out, these are the shows we enjoy. And getting closer and closer to actually talking about football games is certainly what we enjoy the most.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think, Jeff, I echo everything you just said especially because you're right, it was hard at times to push out daily content in a sports world that was pretty much frozen. But we're back now, and these are the shows. We're back in the regular season. And, you know, for my Ravens, it was pretty fun last year. For your Browns, Jeff, I know not so much after a lot of high expectations, but that's where I want to start. It seems like this Browns organization, I've said on the AFC North crossovers that Andrew Barry has done a phenomenal job. Kevin Stefanski seems to be the right guy for the job. And it seems like the Browns are more business than they were last year, obviously, having those high expectations over you, you know, a second year player like Baker Mayfield at the time. That was a lot. How is the mood in the locker room right now? How focused are these guys to kind of shedding this label of, you know, the joke of the NFL and and all this negativity that comes with, you know, the Browns organization? How laser focused are the Browns on getting to a place where, you know, even a playoff berth is a possibility? I think with everything that went on last year, and you're talking
1: about some guys who had some really big personas in the NFL, and you know, I, you know, I don't want to say egos, but you know, they were you know trumped up guys. Jarvis Landry, a lot of success in this league. Odell Beckham, a lot of success in this league. Garrett Baker, and to you know have all of this bestowed upon them, and where they were you know picked by, you know, they were on the cover of the Sports Illustrated NFL Preview issue, all of that stuff. I think everybody kind of took a shot in the mouth. Um, you know, Baker Mayfield regressed. Odell, Jarvis, both of them were injured, didn't really put up seasons that they were comfortable with. Miles Garrett obviously had you know the incident where you know he had to really do some deep soul searching about you know what the game meant to him as far as you know how he wants to live the rest of his life. And this year it's just different. And the, the coolest thing about it is it's just the uniformity of the way everyone speaks. You hear Andrew Berry speak and there's no hooting and hollering. There's no bound chests. It's about business. Kevin Stefanski, it's the same thing. Uh, I think one thing where this team has maybe progressed and grown a little bit is through all of, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement, movements. Obviously you have a young general manager, you know, who is black. You have a young head coach who's white and them basically pushing for their players, whatever you need to do to come together as one. And everybody respects each other. Everybody understands each other. I mean, I think of, you know, Freddie Kitchens in a scenario like this would have never lasted. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that Kevin Stefanski comes from an upbringing where his dad has been in professional sports for ages. Kevin Stefanski's always been around professional sports. For you Ravens fans who don't know, Coach Stefanski's father uh, works in the front office for the Detroit, Detroit Pistons. He's been in the NBA for a while. So, you know, he was able just to work with this and grow with it and able to let players be themselves, but let them be themselves to where they understood and accept each other. Um, look, I mean, they're going to have some stumbles because of, you know, so late to the process and so many things that were taken away from any new regime here in 2020. But I think as a whole where this roster is, as far as being together with some really, really good talent is light years from where it was a year ago.
0: Yeah, you know, I I think so, too. And and it has to start with those two and Stefanski and Andrew Barry. And, you know, I've said before, Jeff, I just did not think Kitchen was the right guy for that job. Kitchens was, you know, kind of the darling of the Brown season where the Ravens, you know, snuck into the playoffs. But I still think that Stefanski is by far and away a much better higher. but all the pressure now it is on Baker Mayfield to an extent after a down season, which saw him throw for 3,827 yards along with 22 touchdowns, but also 21 interceptions. I've asked you before, Jeff, about just where Baker Mayfield is, you know, from a mental standpoint, but th- there are some other things that have to go into this, where is, you know, the preparation that Baker Mayfield takes and has been taking this entire offseason, I've kind of viewed it a bit differently because it seems like last offseason, you know, coming off that great rookie year, it was all about the commercials and all about the fame. But now we've seen a much more laser-focused Baker Mayfield. And, Jeff, I want to get your opinion on how you think Baker Mayfield is either going to bounce back or, you know, I don't think you think he's going to regress, but or regress in 2020.
1: I think what it is is they put him in a situation where, Things should be much more simpler for Baker Mayfield. And look, you know, obviously at Oklahoma, he had a fantastic career and basically everything he touched turned to gold. And for the first time last year, he basically took a punch in the mouth. I mean, you know, seven, eight and one as a rookie starting quarterback is amazing when you were the number one overall pick. But then last year and with everything just going down and, you know, to Baker's own admission, he's admitted, you know, he wasn't the player he needed to be. And that's the thing where Browns fans are really, really Really like Baker Mayfield because Baker Mayfield understands pretty much at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. It's always on the quarterback. It's just the way it goes. If you don't, if you win, it, you know, the quarterback's going to get maybe some prompting up that he doesn't deserve. If you lose, he's going to get torn down. That's the way it works. And that's certainly what happened last season. Um, sure, but, and maybe part of, you know, COVID and everything where everybody just kind of had a chill and you had no choice. You really couldn't go out. You couldn't really live your life. But after the season he had, you know, the endorsement opportunities weren't there, but he took the opportunity to bringing Austin Hooper down to his house a couple of times. They got to develop a rapport. It, it shows. Um, I would say he's, Austin Hooper's probably the most comfortable player he looks with, you know, operating within the passing game to this point. And he's always had success with tight ends, obviously Mark Andrews. Um, then there's the, he was asking into Zoom meetings that did not pertain to him, running back, wide receiver, offensive line. He just wanted to get in there. He wanted to know the terminology. And you've seen this parlay into practices because it's one thing to learn things through Zoom classes. It's another thing to get out on the grass and actually turn them into plays. And any times there were, you know, mistakes, hiccups, interceptions, overthrows, underthrows, you've seen Baker go to the guy he was trying to throw it to or talk with an offensive lineman or saying, well, look, I I see this. You know, maybe, maybe we're not having the same, you know, understanding. And he's been so good about that. Through camp this year, and I think Baker is a smart enough guy to realize it's it's about wins in this league. He knows this, and after what went on last year, and you know how bad it looked at times, I he, I think he's really regressed. He's really grown up more into the part. And last offseason was a whirlwind: get married, all the endorsement opportunities, blah 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 blah. You look at players like Mahomes, you look at players like Deshaun Watson, it's about getting to that next level. It's about earning that big, big, big time money. And I think Baker is more understanding of that and just wanting success and team success and understanding that anything that's going to come his way will matter more based on the team success, not his own individual success.
0: Yeah, I mean, personally, I do expect Baker Mayfield to bounce back in 2020. I'm somebody who has said on record that I expect the Browns to make the playoffs as a seven seed, and that has not changed throughout the entire offseason. I think they improved their team once again. I do think the Ravens still win the division, but I think the Browns take a major leap forward, and I think part of that is because of their defense. Jeff, my last question I want to ask you Is the Browns did sustain a few losses on defense. Now they did add to it, but Joe Schobert, you know, maybe not the, quite the system fit the Browns needed, but still 133 tackles from 2019 is gone. Demarius Randall also gone. And the big one I think is Grant Delpit, the second round star who I expected to be a monster for Cleveland is now done for the season. Where is the Browns defense right now, Jeff? And are you confident they can put together a good 2020?
1: I like where it's at because for me, I always preach, look, you know, everything on defense starts with the defensive line. Um, and look, the loss of Andrew Billings certainly is a tough one, but you've got four defensive ends. You've got Miles Garrett, you've got Olivier Vernon, you've got Adrian Claiborne and Porter Gustin in what was a, you know, basically a crap storm of 2019 and you had to go out and, you know, start signing guys off the street. They signed a five star, former five star recruit, an elite athlete and he's at a hell of a camp. Um you add that in with Sheldon Richardson's looked fantastic. Larry Ogunjobi probably going more than Aaron Donald route, you know, where it's, you know, being quick, it's being, you know, yoked up. Uh so we'll see how that plays out. But they have depth for the first time since I've been covering this team since 2017 on that defensive line. And then you go to the secondary. Look, Grant Delpit, there's no way around it. It's a blow. They they had Grant Elpit was learning free safety, strong safety. And, you know, in the week or so, you know, he was practicing up until the time he got injured. He was around the line of scrimmage. He was playing on the roof, deep free safety. He was in man coverage. He was doing everything. They had a major role planned for Grant Grant Dalpit. You still have Carl Joseph that you signed. You have Anderson Sandejo. Sheldrick Redwine got split the last, you know, six games of the 2019 season. And this Ronnie Harrison trade that worked out really, really well. And, I, you know, for anybody listening, they would have done that Ronnie Harrison trade it wouldn't have mattered if Grant Talbot was injured or not. If that field was on the table, they would have absolutely done it. And, you know, Harrison brings something to them. Denzel Ward, we'll see how it works out, though. You know, some of the cornerbacks are injured, and we'll get to this a little bit later. But they didn't have Denzel Ward. They didn't have Greedy Williams in that week four matchup where the Browns did win down in Baltimore. But this is going to be more focused on getting consistent pressure on the quarterback, disrupting the passing game, disrupting the running game, and hopefully having solid coverage. And I think they have – and it was weird because every cornerback they had in camp played well, and they were in a weird position for the first time in ages for Cleveland where when they actually came down to cuts, it was like, man, we really like this guy, and we're just in a tough spot. It's normally, all right, well, he wasn't any good anyway. Um, It was a big, big difference as far as, you know, this summer went for the Cleveland Browns.
0: Yeah, again, something that a lot of you know Ravens faithful preach it is the depth, and it seems like for Cleveland on defense at least they're they're getting up there. With you mentioned the defensive line, they have a bunch of good corners, and you know Denzel Ward, you know he he's somebody who can make an impact when he's on the field. He does make an impact when he's on the field, and when he's not, you know Cleveland obviously still won that Week Four game in Baltimore. But again, we're going to talk about our final record predictions and score predictions in the last segment here. But we're going to head into our first break. And when we get back, we're going to be flipping the script as Jeff is going to be asking me some questions about the Ravens. So stay tuned for that, and we will be right back. But before we do that, this season, get football on your time with NFL Game Pass. You can catch every snap from every game with full game replays and see all the plays in just 45 minutes with condensed games. You can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game. Every week, it's all about the action, all the football you can handle, all in one place. And NFL Game Pass is the only place you can replay every game all season long. You'll also learn from the league's best players with over 40 NFL Game Pass film session episodes, Go inside the game from a player's perspective as they break down the game's concepts and techniques. Learn from the best like Deshaun Watson, Stephon Gilmore, Devontae Adams, and many more. NFL Game Pass also provides access to the entire NFL Films archive. Go to nfl.com slash game pass to start your free trial today. NFL Game Pass, where football never stops.
1: Now, Kevin, uh, obviously it was a magical season, and for you guys, uh, you know, came to an abrupt ending. Um, but I'm looking at what, you know, the Ravens have done this year to try to change things up, switch things up. Um, for years, and it's funny because the Browns are now carrying four tight ends. The year, for years, it was the joke about the Ravens and all the tight ends they have. Now it's obviously more wide receiver is, you know, are we expecting maybe a, a shift in the passing game for the Ravens now that the wide receiver room is more deeper and maybe trying to exploit the guys you have there and uh, you obviously Brown, you know, Tremendous asset with his speed. Obviously, Boykin with his size. You know, Sneed savvy. Devin DuVernay is you know, probably the next guy up for Snead. Are we looking more? Or are we focusing more on maybe a traditional passing offense where the wide receivers are maybe more
0: of the focal point? I think it's it's a yes and no here, Jeff, and I absolutely agree that the Ravens are probably going to value their wide receivers a bit more this year, and that's because they just have more quality wide receivers. It's really as simple as that. The Ravens really really like their young guys now, I'm sure as you've heard the Ravens have brought in Des Bryant, and you know, that's kind of something where I think he's more on their short list. It's all right. We we've had you in. We know what you can do. If there's an injury, yeah, we'll we'll bring you in. But the Ravens are expecting a big, big year two jump from Marquise Brown, as you mentioned. Only 71 targets last year, but he was only playing at about 70 percent. Finished with 46 receptions for 584 yards and seven scores, but was playing with a screw in his foot. He has put on a lot of muscle. He's gotten his weight up to a point where he can be competitive, you know, not only with his speed, but also with his strength. And then you're expecting a huge jump from Miles Boykin as well, who had a great preseason in 2019, but really didn't do anything in the regular season, only finished with 198 yards and three scores. And then you mentioned Duvernay and also James Prochet, who was expected to win the kick returner job as well as kind of be a focal point on the offense to an extent. But more towards the later end of the season, because as we know, you know, with this coronavirus shortened off season, the rookies are just going to get thrust into game action. And, you know, that's a disadvantage to guys like J.K. Dobbins and Devin Duvernay on the offensive side of the ball for Baltimore. But right now at this moment, as we're speaking, Jeff, Baltimore only has two tight ends on their roster, two pure tight ends on their roster. And that is Mark Andrews and Nick Boyle. The Ravens trading Hayden, Hayden Hurst to the Falcons for a second round pick. And they're gonna be relying on, I think, fullback and defensive tackle Patrick Ricard to, to kinda of take over the third tight end role because they haven't brought in a guy like Delaney Walker. They had Jacob Breeland and Eli Wolf who were both undrafted free agents, but Breland is now on injured reserve and Wolf is on the practice squad. Baltimore might be able to bring in somebody later in the season who might be a Delaney Walker, who can be a veteran presence. But the Ravens now have the talent at the wide receiver position, not to mention they do have Dobbins now who can be a threat out of the backfield with his hand. Same with Mark Ingram. So there are a lot, a lot of different ways that the Ravens can utilize the passing game. And we might see a bit more trickery in this Ravens playbook in 2020 as well.
1: And I, I think that's where obviously teams like the Ravens, as opposed to the Browns, are a big advantage here. They can just basically go back and do what they did last year and probably have a lot of success with it. Um, you know, teams like the Browns where you know the time of actually working together was limited. So it's gonna be interesting to see, you know, and the evolution, uh, you know, obviously, of Lamar just continuing to grow into the position. Um, the newcomers, uh, you know, obviously Calais Campbell, uh, J.K. Dobbins and Harrison, obviously my Ohio State fans are gonna to wanna to know. Patrick Queen at the linebacker position. Uh, you know, the it's it's interesting how they're going to do it because you know obviously queens going to have a, a lot put on his plate as a starter right out the jump but i mean to think you can slowly work in dobbins you can slowly slowly work in harrison um and Calais campbell I, he just gives me nightmares
0: no, You know, we're really fortunate here over in Baltimore to have been able to bring in a guy like Calais Campbell. And, for you know, you know about the trading fifth round picks of Jacksonville. You did it with Ronnie Harrison. We did it with Calais Campbell. The garage sale in Jacksonville. Right. You know, maybe we can swing a fourth for Josh Allen. Who knows? But for for Baltimore, they are making sure their number one goal this offseason was to beef up their defensive line in their front seven, really, in general, because the Ravens did lose Josh Bynes to the Cincinnati Bengals. They then lose Patrick Owasso to the New York Jets for the inside linebacker group. So what do they do? They go and they draft two in Patrick Queen and Malik Harrison. Now, you're right, Jeff. The Ravens are probably going to put a lot on Patrick Queen's plate. He was the first round pick. He's going to be a starter. But for Malik Harrison, it's gonna be more we're gonna integrate him into the defense because LJ Fort is still there, who actually played pretty well in pretty yep. limited action, had thirty-five total tackles, had a couple sacks in there as well. So you still have the the Ravens I mentioned, they love their depth. They have a three headed monster, or I guess you know, you might not call it a monster yet, but they have the potential for a three headed monster at the linebacker position. And then you mentioned the defensive line. Calais Campbell's going to bring you not only pass rush from that defensive line, but also he's a great run stuffer. The Ravens signed Michael Brockers for all of 11 days before something happened with his physical. And ultimately, he went back to the Los Angeles Rams. So what do they do? They go and they bring in another guy and Derek Wolf, who has had his eye on Baltimore for a while. There are stories of him saying to his agent that, look, get me to Baltimore during this trade deadline. When Baltimore signed Michael Brockers, he was pretty disappointed because that was his number one destination. Then when it opened back up, he said, do everything you can to get me in a Ravens uniform. That's what he said to the Baltimore media. You know, with Earl Thomas' release, and, and that's a big point for the Ravens because they're relying on a couple young guys and a veteran. Deshaun Elliott, Geno Stone, Anthony Levine, Jimmy Smith. The Ravens felt comfortable enough to do that, one, because they love the culture of this team. But two, because the pass rush should be significantly better. The run-stuffing ability, being able to stop outside runs, absolutely killed the Ravens in that week four game, draft. It was horrible. I mean, for, from my perspective, it was great for you <laughs> to, to watch Nick Chubb just run outside the hashes every single play and see one guy either shoot through the wrong gap, another guy miss a tackle completely. I mean, Nick Chubb almost ran for 200 yards in that game. It, it was awful. But for Baltimore... They, they're making sure that they have guys who are athletic enough, they have guys who are powerful enough to stop those outside runs, who know, you know, what it's like to be in the NFL, and while, you know, Patrick Queen, Malik Harrison aren't those guys yet. As we get to, to week 14, Jeff, we'll be talking again, I think, you know, the Ravens' defense will likely have Queen of Harrison as the starters, and they tooled this defense for what hopefully is, you know, if the offense is scoring points, the defense will be able to hold down the opposing offense so you can at least squeak out a win.
1: Uh, yeah, and look, I mean, and what uh, you know, with the Earl thing is, you know, look, Earl Thomas, the Baltimore version, was still a great player. It was not the Earl Thomas player that he had been in years past with Seattle. You know, obviously the injury, the wear and tear. Um, and I think for sometimes, look, I mean, you've got to you know cut your nose off to spite your face, so to speak. And I think that's what they did with Earl, just because it was becoming a problem. There were obviously problems last year, and we had talked we've talked about this on social media. And so, you know, they lost Earl Thomas, but it wasn't exactly the Earl Thomas that was everybody, you know, knew. But this is the last one I want to get to here with you is with Lamar becoming, you know, the one of the top quarterbacks in the league is the traditional running aspect of Lamar Jackson. Is this something that's maybe going to have to fade away a little bit? And I know we missed a little time this year, obviously, with the leg injury. Um, is it time maybe to start to maybe bench some of the you know pure running of Lamar Jackson for the sake of the health of Lamar Jackson?
0: You know, that that's something that's been a really big debate topic in Baltimore for this entire off season, because we've seen the success that he can have with those designed runs. But I do think it, at the end of the day, the Ravens are probably going to move a bit away from the designed runs, but not because of his health, as you mentioned, Jeff. I mean, you know, you'd never want your quarterback taking hits. It's something where, you know, he's, he's the most, he's the prize possession. You know, he's what makes the gears turn for the most part, but the injury Lamar Jackson sustained last year You know, it was a minor one, but it actually never came from him running in the running and you know dancing outside the pocket. He was dead in the pocket, delivered a laser to Hayden Hurst to actually hit over twenty miles an hour on about a sixty-yard touchdown. You know, a guy crashed into his thigh, and you know it was bothering him for a few weeks. So the Ravens know that in order. To win football games, they have to let Lamar Jackson just go out and do his thing. Part of that is the design runs. But Lamar Jackson has focused on improving his deep ball during the season. He's improved on throwing outside the hashes as well. But he was one of the best pocket passers in the entire league. And when he stands in there, he will stand in there until the literal last possible millisecond that he can to throw that football. I mean, throwing for 3,127 yards, you know, 36 scores. The yardage total might be low, but he was pretty efficient in doing it. And for Lamar Jackson and the design runs, I mean, running for over 1,200 yards, would the Ravens like to see that maybe go down in favor of passing? I mean, sure. But I don't think they're overly concerned about the health part of it because I think they know that he'll get injured on a play, whether it's running, whether he's in the pocket, whether it's a freak injury. Lamar Jackson, most likely at one point or another during his career, is going to get injured in some way, shape, or form. But I think, you know, the Ravens thinking about it from, oh, well, it's going to be a design run that does it. We're going to cut back on those. They want to do what they can to win football games. I know Lamar Jackson wants to do everything and anything he can to win football games. So I think the design runs, Jeff, will go away to to an extent. But they're definitely still going to be a decently big part of the Baltimore offense in 2020.
1: For me, I thought that was the first thing when the J.K. Dobbins selection came down. I think it was more of it. And, you know, look, Michael Vicks still ran for eight boatload of yardage in this league and not much of it was designed I mean Lamar always has that escape hatch and go-to of his speed if you know something is not there within the passing game um they, look I mean they don't really even need Lamar to be this great runner um with the stable of running backs they have and it'll be interesting just to see you know if he can continue on the development path uh, of where he is you know come you know, become as far as, as a passer Um, We're going to get to another segment here. We'll start talking, you know, predictions and season thoughts here of the Browns and the Ravens, Jeff Lloyd, Kevin Ostriker, on your crossover edition of Locked on Ravens, Locked on Browns. Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. RockAuto.com's prices are the same for everybody, and they are reliably low. RockAuto.com always offers the lowest prices possible, rather then changing the prices based on what the market will bear, similar to what the airlines do. RockAuto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or an account login. The RockAuto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Go to RockAuto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write on all caps, with a space, In there, how did you hear about us box? So they know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. Kevin, I guess we'll start with you. Um, do we start with the game? Do we start with the season? I guess we'll start with the season. What are you feeling, Kevin? Um, and this is the, and look, everybody who wants to get on folks for predictions, this year is the year for the asterisk on every one of us who put out predictions, team wise, player wise. It's it, it's going to be wild. It's going to be interesting. But some thoughts here, Kevin, on what you think your Ravens franchise is going to be able to do this year.
0: You know, I got into this a little bit, Jeff, and I'm sure every Browns fan listening and you as well will will want to just rip my eyes out for this. But I think it's 15 and one. I think it's. I've said that the entire off season. You know, I, I, I'm prepared for the firestorm that's about to happen right now. But let me. So what explain. do you say the NFC East doesn't scare yeah. you very much? <laughs> <laughs> let me let me explain a little bit why though. For me, well, any any solace you can take here, Jeff, is that I do have the one loss coming against the Browns. I've just been flip flopping on the game it's going to come in, but the Ravens. They've improved. You can say what you want about Marshall Yonda's loss. That's a huge loss, obviously. Hayden Hurst leaving leaves a void in a pretty tight end, heavy passing game, and the Ravens right now only have two tight ends on their roster, pu- two pure tight ends on their roster. But, you know, you mentioned the NFC East, honestly, doesn't scare me that much. You know, the Cowboys, the Eagles, two great teams. You also have the Giants and in the, in the Washington football team in there that you, you say what you want, but... The AFC South also, Uh, you know, I think the Ravens have had a habit over the past few years of falling into, you know, what most would call trap games. You could see potentially the the Colts being that where the Ravens might just, you know, see an inferior opponent on paper and just take the day off and they, they lose. But the Ravens honestly, again, have gotten better. The defensive line looks so much improved. You know, the Ravens have a bunch of people who can try to step up to the task of replacing Marshall Yonda. I think the Browns probably pose one of the bigger threats to the Ravens in the AFC you know I still think the Chiefs obviously are number one in that regard but right. I think Baltimore is going to come out hungry and they're going to come out ready because they've lost twice to the Chiefs at Arrowhead this time it's at empty Bay stadium and I mean who knows how big of an advantage that is anymore because no fans in the Ravens stadium but I mean for Baltimore they have the league MVP in Lamar Jackson they have another year uh, of guys who I think have improved yeah I mentioned Marquise Brown he's going to be a big factor Miles Boykin another big factor Four running backs who could really, you know, be starters on some teams. That's another big factor. But, you know, some will doubt it because, you know, can Lamar Jackson repeat? Is the loss of Earl Thomas so significant to the point where the defense crumbles? I, I personally don't think so. You know, people might say that I have the purple glasses on and you know I'm only seeing things of everybody else is inferior, but I don't I don't think that. I still think to an extent the Chiefs are ahead of the Ravens. And the Ravens, if they were to play the Chiefs right now, would still most likely be underdog. So I'm gonna say fifteen and one for my Ravens, Jeff, and I wanna hear your predictions now on your Browns.
1: I love that you just throw fifteen and one out. That's fantastic. You know what? Sometimes you just gotta own things in this world, and obviously you've done it here. Um, for me, I I think the nine and seven, ten and six range, um, because you have to think about the fact that there's so much time that has been lost for this, for the Cleveland Browns. And then you go into week one and you look in in, everybody, I think we all agree to, you know, a man, to a woman that September, there's going to be a lot of sloppy football. And then there's going to be questions of, you know, discipline as far as, you know, a late hit. And it's not going to be on purpose. It might just be more because you're just that far removed from live action. I think the Browns are going to rely heavily on this running back duo with Kareem Hunt getting a ex- contract extension yesterday. Now you pair that with Nick Chubb and the damage that he has already done. Uh, I think they, they, th- their goal is to run the ball and they want to establish play action off of that. And you still have Odell. You still have Jarvis. You have Austin Hooper. I think with play calling that is more in line and you know the the old phrase of you know basically you know playing the music making the music where everything you do as an offense leads to the next thing you do you ran this play because you want to go and run that play and i think the browns are going to be able to do that this year on offense if they're able to sustain the pass rush that i think they're going to be able to and with the coverage ability it looks like they're going to have to you know, they're going to have, they should come out on the right end more than they should come out on the wrong end. And, you know, with Kareem, with Nick, you're talking about a possibility of 30 to 35 touches per week between those two players. They both fit this system. Uh, you know, they both have looked great in running this wide zone running concept. Kareem gives you more as a receiver in coach Stefanski's system. Dalvin cook caught 50 passes last year for the Minnesota Vikings. Kareem Hunt's a better receiver of the football than Dalvin Cook. So you think about where Kareem can be involved here. They have a lot in place, and they have more in place than they had last year. And I think they have better folks essentially driving the bus, more intelligent, more smart, more understanding how to communicate with younger players, keeping them up when they've had a bad day. I I do believe, and I, I do believe a wild card is here I'm not going to say I believe, you know, they're going to win the AFC North. Yeah, that'd be fantastic. Um, but when a team goes 14-2 and two the season before, you have to believe that opportunity is going to be there for them to be top dog again. Um, I think I like them a little bit better in Pittsburgh. I still need to see what Ben can do. Cincinnati, I love what they did this year. I still think it's one year away from before being, you know, contending within this division. I think everything is in place with the roster, the type of guys they have and the guys leading these players, I'm I'm looking for a strong season. I, I, I really think it's going to be a really strong season for the Cleveland Browns.
0: I think the Browns, to an extent, Jeff, you know, are kind of being counted out a little early. And my my opinion here has always been, look, we can't count in the Cleveland Browns until we see them do something because it's been the years of all the hype and then just pure disappointment. But, you know, Stephans- Kevin Stefanski might be the guy to turn this around again. I, I've mentioned how phenomenal I think Andrew Barry and Stefanski have done kind of running this Cleveland team over the past few months. But Jeff, very quickly here, I want to get into your thoughts on the Browns injury report. And then right after that, talk about your final prediction for this week one matchup? Well, you look at
1: the injury report and, you know, the most, you know, Mac Wilson, obviously we know he's not going to play. Kevin Johnson, they described it as a week-to-week injury. If Kevin Johnson isn't practicing yet, he's not going to play. He, you know, literally you know, severed his liver. Um, it would just be a question of, you know, when um, they described it as week-to-week. Greedy Williams, the shoulder injury, um, which was told us to be day by, day-to-day, um, which is almost two weeks now. I don't know if Greedy Williams is going to be there. Um, Greedy Williams, of course, didn't play in week four last year against the Ravens. So there is that to look on. The, the key here is J.C. Treder. J.C. and um, as he's grown into being the NFL Players Association president, he's gotten a lot of respect towards him, which he deserves. He most certainly does. But he's been really, really good for the Cleveland Browns for the three seasons he's been here hasn't you know missed any time. He was injured in a game versus Kansas City in twenty eighteen. It looked really, really bad. He wore a walking boot for six days a week and still played every Sunday. Nick Harris is a nice developmental player. I think he has a career here in Cleveland where he's gonna be here for a while. I just don't think they want him starting against the Baltimore Ravens. This is a tough assignment. No you know, crowd or no crowd. It's gonna be a tough assignment going down there to Baltimore to face the Ravens. So Treader, and I think J.C. Treader wouldn't have agreed to the surgery unless there was the opportunity to play week one. The key to all of this injury report, no doubt, is whether or not J.C. Treader can play Sunday. He's just got a great rapport with his fellow offensive linemen, and you certainly don't want to put a rookie fifth-round pick into that situation. As far as the game itself, I think it's eight-and-a-half-point spread is maybe the last I saw. and It's really difficult to tell you know, just through what we've gotten to see of camp practices, where each team actually is. Uh, But I think the Browns are going to run the ball. I think the Browns are going to run the ball a lot. It. I think this would be the plan versus the Ravens anyway, because if you can make Lamar Jackson be a spectator more than a player, that is the biggest advantage you have. So the key to this game and the success the Browns are going to have is how well they can run the football. Look, Odell's looked fantastic this summer. Obviously, uh, the Ravens have fantastic cornerbacks, a great duel at the cornerback position. But it's going to be about how the Browns run the ball. If they can control the game by running the ball and make Lamar Jackson a spectator, I think it gives them an advantage. I'm not necessarily going to say they're going to win, but I think this game will be closer than the eight-and-a-half current point spread.
0: Yeah, and you know, Jeff, I, over the last few years, I've thought that the Browns have always had the Ravens number to an extent. You know, it just seems that whenever Even,
1: even in week 16 when they had nothing left, they played them tough for 30 minutes.
0: Yeah, no, I, I agree, and you know, you, you could chalk that up to some questionable play calling by Freddie Kitchens. But, you know, that game was kind of lost for the Browns in the last minute and 10 seconds where you allowed the Ravens to go up, you know, down 13 nothing up 14-13. But for me, I agree. This game, I think both teams are going to favor the run pretty heavily. You know, where I kind of, you know, I had the Ravens losing this game at first. I I still somewhat think this could be a trap game. But I just think with, with with the way Baltimore's been practicing, with what I've heard out of camp, and just how hungry this team is, I don't think they're going to let a letdown happen here in week one. Now, on the flip side of that, I do think once you reach week 14, and, for example, for Cleveland, once Jedrick Wills gets a little more NFL experience yep. under him, once maybe Cleveland gets, if J.C. Treader doesn't play, J.C. Treader back, Greedy Williams, Kevin Johnson, Mac Wilson, if he is back by then, that might be a, a loss for Baltimore. But I don't expect Baltimore to lose twice to Cleveland. I also don't expect Baltimore to beat Cleveland twice. So – for me, Jeff, this game is going to come down to the Ravens defending the outside run, as I kind of mentioned earlier. I think the Ravens are much more equipped for it now. Patrick Queen is a super, super athletic linebacker. Clayas Campbell, you almost have to double-team on every play, and you now have Brandon Williams moving back to nose tackle, which is his natural position. And And I ultimately do think that with the Ravens' offense— they're going to try to integrate J.K. Dobbins into it pretty quickly. That doesn't mean oh. I think he's going to get 20 touches against the Browns, but I do think oh, he's that not if you
1: were. Yeah, <laughs> no, right. Yeah. The PR
0: depth chart doesn't really tell me a lot, to be honest, but <laughs> look at this game, Jeff. I think it will be close. I think Cleveland is going to give Baltimore a run for their money, but I also think Baltimore stays in and hangs tough. Obviously Baltimore is favored. As you mentioned that eight, eight and a half point spread. I think it probably will be a little bit closer to, I don't know, maybe six, five, four. I mean, To be honest, I think Baltimore has a pretty good shot to win this game, but there always is the possibility with Baltimore of maybe just not playing up to, you know, their standards. So I'm still going to say it's a Baltimore win, but at the end of the day, I think it's going to be a very tough, very competitive game. And at the very, very end of the day, I'm just happy to have football back, Jeff.
1: Oh, Kevin, I I am so excited for Sunday and obviously tomorrow night, you know, when we're going to see Chiefs Texans and just, you know, uh, for, you know, just getting some taste of normalcy and look, you know, other sports, you know, NBA, MLB, all of this has been fantastic, but you know, everybody knows what King is and football's King. Um, so to get to this and, you know, look, I understand why the preseason games weren't played and it makes a ton of sense, but man, do I just want to see some guys hitting each other?
0: No, me, me too, Jeff. Absolutely. And great that we were finally able, you know, again, A little bit of uncertainty about actually, maybe we're not going to be able to do these crossovers because there won't be football. But you know what? It's out. We did it, and football is scheduled to be played today and on Sunday. So thank you for joining me here, Jeff. It was a pleasure.
1: Uh, Oh, always a good time, Kevin. And you know, obviously, these rivalries in the AFC North—they run deep, they run strong. Um, But it's just great. And you know, obviously, for you to you know be on the good side of all this, and you know, me and my family be on the good side of this. Yes, at the end of the day, that's the most important, but, uh, we got jobs to do and, uh, you know, talking about football and which it looks like we're hopefully going to get to do and this can continue throughout the fall.